Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Coming to you live in studio and around the world, this is Footy Prime, the program. Introducing first, a man as tall as the thing is named after, Mr. Craig Forrest. From the far, far east of Ottawa, Mr. Dan Wong, a purveyor of pies and toilet paper, a dedicated soldier, Mr. James Sharman, and finally, the star of the show, from the exotic Portugal, the Portuguese prince with hair as thick as the product with within it, Mr. Brendan Dunlop. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get this party started. And, of course, we can't forget the talent behind The Voice, at The Voice Bender on Twitter, Jeff Cole. Thank you very much, JC, and welcome to Footy Prime, the podcast. You may have noticed there was no Danny Dicchio mentioned there. Danny's doing very well, but Danny's off to Arizona in a few days' time, and I suppose he should probably spend time with his family because he'll be there for a very, very long time with TFC2. Weeks, perhaps months, perhaps years. Yeah. Who knows? But Deech is on his way. That has to be tough, the way, fellas. You know, what I mean, uh-huh. obviously, you think he cares? And all he's like, "Come on." He's <laughs> Have play- you seen Ontario lately? He's playing the game. That's what he's doing. He's playing the game. He knows how to do it. He's like, "Oh, you know what? I'm canceling tonight on the lads." You know, well, that's, what I, that's what I meant. Exactly right. He's like, "Yeah, I, you know, I, you know how much I enjoy doing the podcast each week. You know, it means a lot to me. But I'm not going to deprive you of me for any longer than I have to." Because as of Tuesday, I'm out of here he's for a long time. That's why he's been together so long. Absence makes the heart grow fonder, right? That, that marriage between Deitch and Claire will be strengthened after 16 and a half weeks in Arizona for Deitch. And his kids will respect him again, maybe. Maybe. Maybe not. We're going to quote him. We're going to quote him. Won't be able to make it tonight, fellas. I've got a couple of player meetings and still have to rush around and do some bits prior to leaving. Have a good show. That's the nicest ditch has ever been to us, ever. He didn't mention anything to do with, you know, effing C's or, or nothing in that, did he? No complaints have a, have about a good the pandemic. Show. Wonger, Wonger, you could read that completely differently if you wanted, with a different tone. Try it. Try it. Yeah. Do it all angry. Do it. Deitch would do it, like, at, at what, 4.58 of the podcast? Yeah. Won't be able to make it tonight, fellas. I've got a couple of player meetings, fuck. 
and still have to rush around and do some bits prior to leaving. I have a fucking show. That's, That's really great. That's my favorite better. part is when Dickio becomes Stephen Caldwell. That was my favorite part of that read. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Deech, you know, we're going to miss you. We are going to miss you. And hopefully you'll, you'll be joining us from time to time in this podcast while you're based in Arizona. I think they have the, the interweb there. Do they not? So you should be okay on, on Wednesday or Thursday evenings. Yeah, but you got to show your papers in order to be able to use it. And we know that Deech doesn't like to carry a wallet or anything. Yeah, true enough. True enough. Um, well, hey, by the way, but you look dashing today. Mm. You're dressed up. You've brushed your hair for the first time since you've been doing this podcast. Thanks. What's happening? Couldn't be a book tour, could it? Uh, it could be. Well, it's certainly not a coaching job in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League because that's what my hair was, uh, you know, or only the, the chats that my hair was earning me before. But yeah, we got a, a little book tour going on. Uh, Dwayne De Rosario and I did um, "Derail My Life," the book, and we did our first uh, major appearance was a festival of literary diversity uh, festival in in Brampton. So we did a virtual chat for an hour for a bunch of students, and uh, very cool to be called an author. Still pretty surreal. Just to confirm, the book's about Dero. It's not Dero writing about your life. That's it. No, yeah. Dero, my life. You know, could be like Dero writing about you. It would be, be a very short book about me. Yeah. It would About be one meeting at Carabana, which he asked, why are you here? And that was the end of the <laughs> end of the book. Is that a chapter in itself? <laughs> it would be a chapter in itself. So the book I, comes out um, next week, right? Comes out on Tuesday. Officially Tuesday. On Tuesday. Available. Are you, are you getting like butterflies? Um, not really, because uh, apparently some copies have, have already gone out. Uh, a few a few uh, fans have posted on Twitter that they've got their copy. So I'm a bit surprised. Okay. I think I've some, got mine yet. Someone in the post uh, either screwed up or has been thrown out, uh, you know, weeks early. Uh, but yeah, I'm pretty excited to to finally see it out. Um, uh, it's just a shame that we won't be able to, you know, have a big launch party. And uh, I would have really enjoyed have, doing something in Scarborough with Dwayne. And um, has Dero actually read it? He has read it. He's a big fan of it. And uh, the re- the review process was was a pretty pretty intense process. So I think the book is is much better for it because of uh, of how much you know teamwork uh, we did in the end of the reviewing to to make sure all the details were right and all the all the stories that uh, he really wanted to tell and come across were in there. Do you think you'll get you, you you'll feel worse about getting a bad review on the book than you you did getting say a bad review about a TV show you did? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, yeah, I think for me, the biggest win so far really was I knew Dwayne was happy with it. Um, but I felt as though, you know, only Dwayne, myself, uh, my wife and the publisher had read it. So I didn't really have a full gauge. I thought on how good it was. A very biased group of people had read it. Exactly. All of us were very heavily invested in it. My wife, of course, just wanted it to be over with so that I would stop, you know, burying myself in the, in the basement writing or asking her to help me with words instead of using a thesaurus. You know, I was always bugging her for words. Um, so yeah. Um, just really happy to uh, really happy to, for, for it to be out for people to read it. Cause honestly, just there's a lot be, of really cool gems. Just for beach. Uh, what is a thesaurus? <laughs> it's a dinosaur, isn't it? It is. It was one of the largest uh, land-eating <laughs> carnivore dinosaurs. <laughs> the Thesaurus. <laughs> no, you know what, B? I'm actually very excited myself for you and to read this. And we're going to have um, Dero on the show Monday or Tuesday. 
um, check our numerous Twitter and Instagram and Facebook feeds to find out when that is. We'll be on there and we'll talk about the process of writing a book. And uh, I can't wait because, you know, we all know Dero is one of the biggest names in Canadian soccer and uh, not too many, if any, Canadian players ha- have, have done this so far. Anyone else have, have done a, a biography thus far? I feel like Dwayne's is the first. There's not too many yeah. North American biographies, to be honest. Did Bob Lenarduzzi do one? Who? Did Bob Lenarduzzi do one? Uh, if he did, I'm not aware of it. Uh, I'd love to read it. That, that would be a hell of a story. Um, but Craig, no. what, what the hell are you waiting for, man? Like, your, your story would sell. I'm going to slaughter you. Yeah. <laughs> well, now that I've just told him that I need my wife to be a thesaurus, he's not going to want to do it with me. I guess I've just shot myself in the foot. Oh, no, no. Uh, this, this is pretty bad, though. Uh, so, Craiger, Bob Leonard Doozy has a book called A Canadian Soccer Story, book by Bob Leonard Doozy and Jim Taylor. So, has he written? When was this? Great. What year was that? I want to say. 11, originally published, 2011. Yeah. What? 11? No, really? That I thought it was before that, even. Well, look, I just read off the interwebs. Yeah. Well, I did not know that. Yeah. So while you guys were on air, did you not do the book tour, I guess, didn't hit Sportsnet? And the fellas from Soccer Central? What? No. Oh, look at Bob Leonard Ducey. Oh, right. No, I guess not. Like, that's surprising, no? It is surprising. Surprising that it didn't get on the footy show, especially uh, just oh, because. Bob was doing stuff for uh, Sportsnet back in the day. Yeah, he was. Let me. I'm sure that if that was publicized, I mean, I know for a fact that be on the footy show on Sportsnet, I, I would have done something on that. Huh? Maybe I did. I just forgotten. It's quite possible. <laughs> My brain is these days. But please tell us about all the great games. Let's get Bob on and talk about it. Yeah, exactly. We should get him on. Let's rekindle it. It's not like it's it's changed. Well, you and Bob go way back, Craig, so we should definitely get him on the show. You know, when we get guests back on the show, when we get a bit of normality and we're back in the garage, um, we'll, we'll put him on the list because it's an interesting guy. That's for sure. And, and few people have uh, seen the ups and downs of Canadian soccer more than Bob Lenarduzzi, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. But back to my original point, B, you're looking great, man. You are. You're looking slick, and I can't wait to read this book um, if I ever get given one. <laughs> anyway, I'm sure at some point that will happen. It'll arrive in the mail. Um, all right, fellas. It's been a busy football week. Um, it all kind of began with uh, the revolt at Old Trafford, which we'll get to shortly. But uh, it's been a good week for English football. Now, today, Arsenal didn't make it four out of four finalists for European football. Man City are taking on Chelsea, of course, in the Champions League. And Manchester United are taking on Villarreal in the Europa League. But uh, I want to maybe get somewhat deep on Chelsea here, fellas, given what's happened since January when Thomas Tuchel arrived and, and what they've really accomplished under him into a Champions League final, an FA Cup final, top four football. Is this all because Lampard couldn't manage or is Tuchel just that good? Greg? Well, I think that uh, Tuchel's done an amazing job. There's no question about it. And it, you know what? I think from... Lampard's point of view is one thing when a manager comes in for you and it's another one when a manager comes in and absolutely crushes it from right out of the gates tightens them up defensively uh, works really really well with the unit they look way tighter they look a threat 
And uh, there's no question that Lampro was more direct, but overall, it just shows you what a fantastic coach he is. Timing plays such a big factor, and I think Thomas Tuchel really benefits from that, that Werner and Havertz are just more comfortable in the league and more comfortable in their new surroundings and their new team. And it's such a strange year to move countries, of course. So I think it's really unfortunate that, you know, those players had a, such a slow start after being big money acquisitions. And that was reflected on Frank Lampard and he had to be the fall guy. I don't think he's, he's really to blame, but I also don't think they're in this situation if he's not replaced by Thomas Tuchel. So good on Chelsea for making the change when they did and finding a man that could get the best out of the players that they needed to get the best out of. Yeah, I mean, Craig mentioned how the defense improved, and that wasn't from perhaps that any you know incredible new system. I mean, three at the back, it seems really to be working very well for him. But but Rudiger's been reborn under him after being pretty forgotten under Lampard. Christensen, who's shown flashes the last two or three years, have been a really good player, has grown in confidence. Thiago Silva, for an old geezer, pretty bloody stable, isn't he back there? A real good force for for good in that defense. So. I think Tuchel said when he first arrived, you know, let's get this defense. Just I know there's good players there. If we can just get it that work, and that could be the foundation. And then the guys ahead of him, be it be a Mason Mount, a young guy finding his feet at this level, um, continuing his progress. And like you said, Kai Havertz, who's been brilliant the last week or so, certainly. And then you know, look at N'Golo Kante, who didn't make the first few teams under Tuchel, has once again been the N'Golo Kante that we've grown to love over the last few years. Incredible. The turnaround is just absolutely insane. Now he's kept them all like just working so well together, interchangeable, you know, had a few injuries to deal with as well and uh, have crushed it. I mean, to get them into the Champions League final is just nuts. And really. after not being able to win the Champions League with PSG and getting fired by PSG. You know, pretty incredible that he walks into this situation where I think a lot of people thought finishing in the top four would be a real win. Getting the best out of uh, Havertz and, and Werner and maybe getting more out of Christian Pulisic, who did so well for him under Bruce, at Borussia Dortmund, uh, would have been a real success. So, yeah, to get to the, the Champions League final, I mean, they're the underdogs, uh, but I don't think we, any of us would be stunned if they somehow pulled it out. You know, it's interesting. My, my daughter, she's you know beginning to start watching sports with me for some reason. Don't know why. Maybe she misses me during this COVID and stuff. So she's sitting down with me and asking me questions about, you know, football and snooker, believe it or not, last week. But she sat down with me yesterday, or was it you know, Tuesday, whatever it was. And, and she said to me, so dad, who's the best player on, on either team? And it was obviously, you know, these two teams. And with Chelsea, usually, usually with a team, you can pick one or two players. You can see they're the best players. You know, it's, Chelsea had a real difficult time. Thinking, who who is the best player in Chelsea? I know who perhaps should be the best player in Chelsea, given the when they when they arrived, you know, the the bandwagon behind them, the the Timo Werners of the world, and obviously the history of a of a silver. But it's such a team. It feels like Chelsea that not one player at this point really stands out as being the best player on that team. Do you agree? Yeah, I do. I agree. I mean, when you look too, there's some superstars that have left Chelsea were on Real Madrid. Yeah. Well, were they? Was Hazard even there? <laughs> oh, what a hazard he's been since arriving. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> you're shaking head with disgust when that came out on you, because I can't believe I just said that. Yeah, that was it. It's just a reminder of how far I've fallen, you know. <laughs> These dad jokes, all of a sudden I, I'm king of the dad jokes. I've had friends <laughs> respond in the text in the text message group, like, well, what, what are you doing? Like, did you wait, have- wait a second? You're oh. saying all of a sudden, B? 
You've been king of the dad jokes since I've known you. Really? It's about eight years. Yes. Oh no. Oh, I didn't know that. Is that? Do you think that comes from me always like hanging out with older people and like just trying to be cool? I've always tried to be liked by you guys who are older and clearly, you know, I was intimidated by, and now I've become older than you guys. I didn't be, know. Yeah. Maybe, but that you were so cool. intimidated by us. That's that's surprising. That's. The I think he's just weird. confused. Well, he's confused because he he should be the cool kid, right, in this group. But we yes, are so he's the cool coolest kid. being old guys. He's like, what is going on here? This wasn't the way it's supposed to be. Wait a second. Didn't your wife say, "I now I know why you're on Footy Prime," and I already told you it's because you bring a new demographic in. And she looked at a picture of us and said, yeah, that makes sense. Cause we all look like old fuckers. Yeah. But we didn't think it was older demographic, did we? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> That's what it is. It's not a younger one. We got the 70 plus thanks to B. Wow. Him and his jokes. Yeah. I guess we're never getting on Twitch boys. Not with me. You know, you'll have to do something else on, uh, to get on Twitch, maybe video game. Any, we got any video game addicts in the group here? Oh, very funny. Yeah. yeah. Can we yeah, tell the audience why we sure. were 17 minutes late to the record? We just assume that you must be, you know, doing something important like writing a book mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. feeding the homeless. Nope. Or, you know, trying to put a meal on the, my family's table. No, no. I was stuck playing Call of Duty. Getting which... a shine. What's that? Getting a shine. <laughs> 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 no, I, I, I don't. I'm not a gamer by any stretch, but uh, I, the last couple of days, I've kind of figured out Call of Duty a little bit, and, and I didn't realize what the time was. So, therefore, I was a bit delayed. And I'm, I used to take, I'm very punctual. Of all my, my um, limitations and, and misgivings, I'm actually quite punctual. I usually like to be the first person somewhere. So, when I saw my, my clock said, you know, 7 12, I, I went, shit, what have I done? I've let the guys down. And then I realized, who I was letting down and it's what was happening stress. in the game charms i was in the pre- i was currently i was shooting Viet Cong. you motherfucker north vietnamese people yeah yeah it was uh, like wonger that Viet- looks like wonger we're gonna <laughs> shoot that guy no it, it was a flashback generally speaking in this particular game i'm shooting um russians Ooh. but it was a flashback to the vietnam war for the main character and i was shooting them instead I think that's. I think it's very confusing. It's quite an in, a involved script. I think that's what's going on. But you know, anyway, how, yeah. So I, I apologize for, for keeping sad, you guys up. How sad our young fans will be. You know that you're that James Sharman, their television idol, is not addicted to playing FIFA just like they are. I know so he's playing Call of Duty instead, neglecting his family, friends, and business partners. <laughs> Do you know how many? Uh, how many kids I, I've spoken to over the years who clearly have learned the game through playing FIFA? My God, not from watching the actual game, the actual sport itself. Now you've got players. You've got players that have yeah. learned the game that way, you know, and have got some God-given <laughs> ability and then get some opportunity. But their they're understanding, they're maybe their first love of the game came from playing the video game. It's yeah. wild. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? I guarantee you that there's more, more players playing the game in Canada on FIFA than are actually playing the game. Yeah, absolutely. As sad as it is, that's absolutely true. Yeah. We should play Call of Duty, all of us. Have like a, you know, you can do that online, apparently, online mode. I forget yeah. what it's called now, right? And we can shoot yeah. each other in the face. <laughs> I I love that. He'd be so angry. He'd be with these guys in the face. It's going to be Dan Wong and a thousand others. <laughs> <laughs>
there's a there's a podcast a great podcast these kids in edmonton uh do called the 90th minute and uh, mm-hmm. i would love the opportunity to do a, a crossover with these kids i assumed i always assumed if we did it would be because they'd have to teach us how to use twitch it would be playing fifa maybe this is the gateway here we end up playing call of duty during the euros instead maybe exactly no sporting reference there because i yeah imagine playing fifa with these kids they destroy us oh, i know embarrassing so this is this is the edge now this is great all, all this time we had look at this win we had in our back pocket james Sharman is addicted to call of duty <laughs> i'm not very good at it though in fairness so i wouldn't get your hopes up fellas you know, i'm not very good at it you know what they're gonna have to change on uh, fifa is uh did you see that first goal that man city scored yesterday you guys catch mm-hmm. it yeah ederson from a standing position, mm. didn't even take a step, pings it over top of the back line with pace that they're like, holy shit, 53 yards, I think it was, and like just unbelievable. So how hard is that, Craig? I mean, none of us can do it, obviously, you know, but no, you, I've never, I've never seen you, anybody do you it. You could ping a ball. You couldn't, haven't they? Not like this. I've never seen anything like this guy. That shot, though, to to see Zinchenko, and I, you know what? To be honest, I was marvelled at the at the ball that he hit, but I didn't realize f- from the difficulty of which he did it that to be you know, flat footed or catch everyone else flat footed, and to to pick out Zinchenko on that side. Um, I thought Man City were so impressive, and you know that goal is an example of why Pep Guardiola invested in in you know in Ederson and and wanted to replace Claudio Bravo, who he'd bought in at the time, hoping that he could be that player. That's exactly right. But he just think about when you look at the pure game that he's trying to play, Pep, and creating a, a, a problem for the other team when you, you're damned if you do, if you're damned if you don't, because you want to squeeze them in. you got a goalkeeper, literally, that can put guys in on goal kicks or, like he did yesterday, flat-footed. It just changes the game completely. It opens up the space so much because you just can't – squeeze in too much because the guy's got an unbelievable he's 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 one of their best attacking players but it seems like a real natural evolution of football right i mean why can't a goalkeeper be a skilled player as well and wh- why is it taking this long do you think craig it's been only the last few years that he's really since noia noia was kind of the first guy aside from the the Rennie hagidas of the world who occasionally would pop up right but really the last three or four years maybe a bit longer than that have you seen these sweeper keepers why why is it well, I mean, there was the guys. I mean, even Her- Jorge Campo was the Mexican flamboyant yeah. goalkeeper. I mean, he he was an L player. He played professionally even out. So they didn't. The Mexican team certainly, from a Concacaf standpoint, they didn't really need a goalkeeper. They needed a an extra player or somebody that could maybe clean up when a team might get in on in behind them at Azteca. Good luck with that. But it, it they were around. Bartez was like that. Cortez wasn't a great goalkeeper, I didn't think, but from a, you know, what they needed was they saw him play in the French league right at the top of the box, you know, defending, and, and so they thought they needed a defending goalkeeper. Yeah. But, they, but they were still outliers, weren't they? At the time, it was like, wow, this guy's crazy. Most goalkeepers were very much more traditional, whereas now it seems that most teams have someone or someone coming through the system that's going to be that player that can become a weapon in an attacking sense. There's absolutely nobody coming through anybody's system is going to make it to the Premier League now that's not comfortable with both feet, at least playing 30-yard passes and and playing keep back, uh, keep ball in the back like that. You have to be able to do that. Now, Ederson's got the, the, he's got something that I'm not sure we'll see from many guys is it's just the ball striking ability that he can hit it that well. It's not even, it's, it's coming 
so fast. Like the defenders there were completely like, what the, I can't believe like, it was incredible. Remember Jose Luis Chilever, the Chilean goalkeeper who, who took penalties mm. and free kicks. He yeah. scored a, he scored a few in his time, didn't he? But only from set pieces. Yeah, yeah, that was that was different. Like he, there's a different ball striking thing. But I mean, Ederson has the world record for for distance, and that's not off the ground. That's all out of his hands. <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it? It's is, it so, is it just technique? Or is it is it strength and technique? Uh, he's got, he, yeah, it's just some people. Like he's just he's a phenom when it comes to power. Mm-hmm. He what was so impressive. Like? Uh, nothing like, like not, never like that. Like. I played with a, a left back, Neil Thompson, his name was. He had a left foot thunderbolt when I remember I was injured and he took a couple goal kicks and it was like, that was the only guy. But yeah. Did I ever tell you I, that? I, 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 never knew, I never knew that you, you, uh, you couldn't be offside on a goal kick. Huh. <laughs> you didn't know that? <laughs> Until Ederson did it. And they were like, even the defender stood there with his arm up. It's one of those rules, right? Yeah. Like, where, so so rarely. Wild. Uh, did I ever tell you that I was a goalkeeper at age eight? I played uh, travel or select as they call it in certain parts of the country. You should have eight. stayed there. Yeah, I should have stayed there, but uh, I couldn't stay there because I couldn't take the goal kicks. I couldn't, I couldn't get it over the halfway line. So you know, the, the defender or the left, the fullback always had to take the goal kicks for me. How old were you? Eight. Eight. Oh, fuck. Halfway line. Jesus. They just didn't want you to play in goals. Like, sorry, kid. You, make the halfway <laughs> line. you couldn't make the 18 when you're eight. Yeah, probably. You're right. It was probably the 18. You're right. I couldn't make the halfway line when I was 16. When I went to Ipswich, it was a, it was like the last thing for me was that. Yeah. Hitting Mind you, Craig, yards, finish. So go ahead. Hitting 30 yard, 40 yards. That, that was, it was just being able to hit one with more distance. Although I could hit a shot hard. It's just a slightly different, more a different technique. I could hit a strike a ball at net really hard, but hitting one, with a higher trajectory with power and distance sitting on six seven yards. So it took me forever. It's a different thing entirely. But in, in your defense as well, though, um, even in the last 10, 15 years, the balls have changed so much as well, right? They are, you, you can, you can ping them easier now. There's more flex in them now yeah, than there ever yeah, was. Yeah, they are. They are to a point. But you remember back like the old Azteca ball was like, they were, there was, that was lively. And there was an Umbro ball we played with in the Premier League, I think for, for a year or so that thing was all over the place like the late 90s i think we played yeah we played in an umbro ball that was awful it's amazing it was sharp it was it's amazing the impact i think uh, to the fan anyway that that doesn't understand the impact that the ball can actually have we look at the world cup in 2010 that adidas jabulani which was horrendous that ball moves so much the the players at the top of their game you know were making mistakes that you see it was clearly obvious to anyone who watched you know games frequently that this is not the same but there's got to be something different here and it was absolutely the ball ruined that ball it ruined the world cup didn't it that ball there were so few free kicks scored in that in that world cup and a big part of it was because of that yeah, well, they like to introduce it just before the World Cup, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. But every time it's different. And they've got a multi billion dollar deal there. Adidas has been the World Cup ball forever. And yeah. they need to come out with new things all the time. But can't it just be a paint job? <laughs> What's well, got to be the actual mechanics of the ball, right? It should, I mean, it should come just on. be a new paint job. Exactly. Yeah. Why are they letting the designers at Tesla come up with the ball? 
just put a new paint job on it. You're right. Yeah. But that tango is still the best of the bunch, isn't it? The original. Yeah, it was lively too. Yeah. It was, yeah. So yeah. you must have hated it then. You must have despised it. Yeah, I didn't like it. It's coming. Yeah. I like the old, I like the miter. Remember the, the white miter ball? Heavy, wasn't it? It was hard to kick because it was a cannonball. But <laughs> when they're trying to strike it on net, it would it wouldn't knuckle or anything. It was it, it just <laughs> <laughs> You know what? You know, all the, the money in football and we talk about video games and, and different ball designs, you know, the, the Super League would have opened up a brand new chapter of that as well, wouldn't it? Because there'd be a separate ball for Super League games and there'd be an EA Sports Super League, which I'm sure they, they've considered when they're putting this whole idea together, the money that could bring in. And obviously it's, it's crumbled now, but I was quite amazed by the, the, the timing of the drop yesterday with the UEFA kind of leaking out a little bit about the punishments they might put forth to some of these teams and how they've got agreements in place already with, I believe, is it eight of the 12 um, in place, including all the English teams. But I believe Milan, Juve, Real Madrid, and Barcelona, I think, they still haven't got an agreement, uh, a release agreement in place. And there could be some very heavy sanctions. Do you think it's just all mouth from, from UEFA, from Infantino, and from Seferan uh, at the various levels? Or do you think we could see a, a potentially a two-year ban? I don't think you'll see a two-year ban. I mean, Dicchio had it perfect. And at the time, actually, I hadn't really thought of it when his reaction was, no, this is not Barry. This is not Luton Town. You know, these are the big clubs. They're going to get what seems like a slap on the wrist or they're going to get, you know, behind the scenes taxes that, that we don't see, then that'll, that'll be the end of it. They're not really going to get punished like that. I mean, it really felt as though Manchester City was going to get slapped with that two-year Champions League ban. I truly thought that that was, you know, UEFA had to put their stamp on it or the court of arbitration, however it was um, in the end that, uh, that reversed it. I, I really thought that was going to stick. And I thought at best man city would, you know, be out tens of millions and, and miss a year. And uh, in the end, it was just a fine. And it was, it wasn't a, a very significant number, certainly not for them. So I can't see that happening. I, I truly can't. I think all these clubs are going to be welcomed back in. They're going to have to, you know, fund some program that UEFA or, or FIFA want, and that'll be the end of it. Yeah, I agree too. I think it'll be a slap on the wrist or something. It'll be something that, you know, but it won't be anything like banning anybody for two years. What about a transfer ban though? Could that be for a window or two? Say two and then they'll go to the Corp Arbitration Sport and get it down to one. Would they take that, do you think? Would the clubs take that? Yeah. Mm. I don't think the clubs feel as though they should take any penalty. Don't you? I think I think for, for, there's be such a disconnect between anyone involved in the operations of the club and these owners who, you know, uh, Craig's term snuffleupagus are happy to to be in the background and say, oh, it was just a business thing. We didn't understand it was going to blow up. Um, so I don't know how that would go over. To be honest, I think that'd be fair. At least one window, yeah. I think it'd be fair, yeah. But I mean, most of those clubs did pull pull back pretty early on and apologize, albeit, you know, I know they're bullshit apologies, but they did apologize. But some of these clubs, Juve, in particular, Real Madrid of Perez, are coming out quite publicly and are embarrassing Yoifa as well. So I think that might be ticket to a different level. But yeah, it's, it's a tricky thing to do. You know, Sefran would love to hand down some big sanctions. But like we said last week, you know, the, the, the Confederation and the leagues need these teams, yeah. sadly. It- it's interesting, right? Because Real Madrid specifically are on such a knife's edge. And if UEFA, if FIFA really flips their muscle and squeeze this team, I mean, 
imagine the effects if if they went bust. Imagine the effects if if Real Madrid went out of money uh, and had to file for bankruptcy and, and start from you know start from the bottom. Even if it was just the bottom of La Liga, I think it would have such a devastating impact across the board on Spanish football um, that. I think that's got to be something they're considering when talking about really squeezing these teams. Like how much can we hurt them before it hurts us and everybody else? Yeah. And I mean, Spain's a little bit different, right? Because they're, they're literally two, maybe three teams, Yeah, right? That, that bring the money in, you know, England's different, Germany, even Italy to a certain point is different. There's more bigger teams there, I think. Um, we saw Juve get relegated to Serie B, for example, right? With Cachopoli. And, you know, it was rough for them, but Italian soccer did just fine. Yeah. You know, Juve rose once again, eventually, but, you know, one team did, didn't crush them. But if a Barcelona or a Real Madrid or both got a harsh sanction, you, you, you do wonder. But who knows? Um, the Glazers don't seem very keen to sell, do they? After the revolt last week, stories are now being leaked by their, their mouthpieces in the media, how they want to make it into a £10 billion business. My God. When you saw those events last last Saturday, Craig, or Sunday, I mean, me and B did a podcast about it on Sunday, but I want to get your thoughts. Violence aside, and you know, that does a disservice to the actual cause because if you want government backing, there's no way the government can, can go and side with a, a violence protest. But the protest itself, it, it made its point, it seems, but would it have any, do you think it would move at all, the, the owner's perspective? Um, no, I don't think so. They're not going to be pushed out. I don't think that they care that, that much. I, I think that they, we talk about underestimating, like this is a team that was going into the super league. They were, they were chosen to go in there and that they've sort of taught the Glazers. There's a massive difference between a franchise and what you have at Manchester United. Um, any of the teams he owns or any of them, I mean, when even you, you can move anything in North America, you, I mean, you think about teams like even the Toronto Maple Leafs, you never see a team they're established and, but there's teams in the NHL. There is a history of teams moving around. So what are you actually following? What are you actually, you know, but the difference between, those teams are they they're just literally part of the fabric of the communities and they don't want their they want football a certain way they don't want to be guaranteed success and at the end of the day nhl nba nfl all those teams and all those owners are guaranteed success if it was actually from a sporting standpoint they would create a relegation system with nhl and ahl those owners don't want anything to do with that. They don't care about the growth of the game because they, they would don't. do it otherwise if it was for competition. But that's what we do like about that, that we we actually have clubs. I mean, look at Ipswich Town. They had a spell where they were top of Europe, like one of the very best teams. And now they're in the third tier. And they got new owners and they want to bring them back. But that's the, that's football. There's It's littered with it. Wigan Athletic, look at what happened to them recently. Yeah. Wolves, Wolves went from first division to second, third, fourth. They did that in consecutive years back in the day. And they had their heyday back in the 50s, 60s. Like, it's it's, it's cyclical, if you like, and, and people like it that way. It's it's true sport. It really is, yeah. Um, Aston Villa, well, look at Aston Villa. They've, <laughs> they've got an unbelievable history of incredible things as well as, you know, 
and they and they they crashed and it could have been a lot worse than it was but they got back up eventually but it wasn't easy for them for sure um listen we're running out of time in, the, in this particular window here guys but um when we come back we will talk some music and some euro theme songs and and football music in general i also want to get to uh some some comments rio ferdinand said in a podcast recently uh quite interesting so uh go nowhere this is the end of part one part two's around the corner here we are back with part two of Footy Pram, the podcast. I, I heard on a, I think it's BBC this past week, Rio Ferdinand is either going to appear or has appeared or anyway, on a podcast with uh, Eddie Hearn. And, and he's talking about when he left Leeds, sorry, when he left uh, West Ham for Leeds for at the time a world record transfer fee for a defender. Um, apparently just before the deal was signed, Chelsea came in with a huge deal and Rio's response to his agent was don't even talk to them. I have to leave London. If I stay in London, my, my career's going down the shitter. He's saying how basically he's out all the time with his mates and his family's there. Of course, the pressures are so much, but generally speaking, he was partying his ass off and realized he had to leave, had to leave his hometown to really reach his, his potential as a footballer. And I found it, you know, quite a candid response. And obviously it worked out really well for him, Craig, but I thought you, 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 you knew a young Rio Ferdinand at West Ham. What, what, you're smiling there. Was he having a good time? Was that particular group of players in particular a very social group? Do you understand what he was saying and why he chose Leeds? Oh, yeah. And he was, he just, he was uh, at a different level as far as, like, here you got a young guy, self-admitted by him that he couldn't pull a muscle in school. All of a sudden, he's this pro footballer at, that everybody knows in the area at 16, 17, 18, and he is living it up. I had a friend, Scott Coulter from Vancouver, come over, and we went out for a party with uh, Rio. Different class. <laughs> Different class. Did you yeah, stay the whole night? Fire. He was actually absolutely on fire. Really? Yes. How many, how many guys are there like that, you know, who had that talent and you knew they had the talent, but you also knew that they were enjoying the, the extracurriculars a little bit too much and it cost them long careers? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I honestly, I don't recall anybody really in particular. I heard a, couple. Of, a lot of drinking going on for sure. It was a different culture. Different time, right? We were talking oh on the my God. podcast. For the first decade I got there, I mean, even the first Premier League game with Ipswich, there were, um, who was, was Frankie playing then? I don't even know if Frankie was playing in that game or not, but it'd be all British, you know, 99% will be British. And then when I finished my career, the last game, there was like 20 different nationalities played. So it changed a lot. So you got that. British generational footballing thing about what you should do. Rugby has the same generational stuff. They bevy with each other after, after beating the crap each other on the field. Yeah. It's part of it. We have to a part of it. Right. And that it was part of that there too. All those old time guys. And then when they moved into management, they were oh, like Howard Kendall and let's go. Holy shit. They drank a lot. 
There's some players that recognize that, you know, they can enjoy themselves and their ability um, is so tremendous that they're they're able to still perform at the levels that they need to. And maybe it, they some of them, you know, easily get uh, kind of sucked into the party life and the fast life because they're able to they're able to do it. And mm-hmm. some guys, you know, find out very early that they that they can't, you know, Cristiano that Ronaldo famously. That would, that would be the same too if we talked to the hockey guys because actually we got some hockey guys we got to get on here one time um, but and talk about some of that. But when I was the hockey generation back in the 70s and 80s, 90s was totally different. I mean, Billy Smith, I talked to him, had a great chat with him because I remember telling him I was at, on the ice in 1982 in Vancouver when they raised the trophy. And he said like the culture back then he said i would i would drink a six pack every night before i go to bed and at the end of the season i would zip my bag up and i wouldn't open it until it stank like everybody else's hockey bag when you open it up after leaving it for two months he goes i would do nothing billy smith one of the greatest goaltenders ever Really, calendars. I played in a charity tournament with him once, and uh, we went out drinking until well after midnight. And the tournament started at seven thirty a.m. and he was the first guy in the room. Billy Smith. Billy Smith. Really? Oh, he played a career on it. He did it every night. Could athletes do that nowadays? Do you think? I mean, other guys out there that can could could live that lifestyle. You know, a few beers after the game every every night. I mean, listen, they're so highly tuned now, and and the testing is so much in the preseason, you'd think they'd be found out, wouldn't you? You'd be surprised. It might might not even be necessarily alcohol, right? Guys get themselves in trouble with other substances. But going back to Rio, I I remember Craiger, we were talking about when he got, um, (laughs) when he got, when he got suspended. Yes. um, You were talking about it on Soccer Central. I remember you and Jerry talking about it. And going back to what Brennan was talking about was the time. I remember the 90s, E, cocaine, all that stuff was really coming in hard. Ecstasy, all that kind of stuff. And I don't think it works nowadays. You can you can party, but it was the mix of booze and all those new drugs that led people into this. I can be able to party all night, but I'm also doing these other things. I don't think they can do that now. I don't think you can be a complete party guy and still keep up the numbers. I think it's different. I think you would get found out. Yeah. Yeah. But I think also the the young elite athletes nowadays for their entire lives, they've had a lifestyle of their their health, their, their fitness is everything. And sure, they have a good time. Don't get me wrong but they also understand that where they're at and what they need to do to be the best of the best of the best. And I think that might in some way separate the, the, the top from the rest of them, you know, guys that, you know, might be good athletes or great athletes, but you know what? I'll let, I'll let myself have this little indulgence once or twice a week, you know, and yeah. the true greats with the, some exceptions, I'm sure. And depending on the sport, I guess, but the true greats like Ronaldo's not doing it. Let's be honest here, is he? Harry Kane's not doing it, I don't think. You know, the top of the top aren't doing it. You know, they're living pretty clean lives. Whereas back in, in, I guess, the 90s, the 80s, certainly the best best had some of... Well, Shearer, I think Shearer, probably not a few beers back in his time, but he was just... that's my point. He was like always indulging, no? 
always. No, he wasn't. A, he wasn't known for that. He was. He was never one of those guys. You never saw a picture of him out anywhere. No. No, exactly. There's a, there's a few guys that are open and talking about how you know they came in and got sucked into that culture. Ray Parler, I feel like, tells the same story about uh, not being in the team, and he's in the he's in the lounge having a couple of beers, and someone runs in and says, "Venger's got you on the team sheet. You're on the bench." Yeah. And he's watching the horse race. Parler's <laughs> <laughs> a legend. I, we used to have guys like that. I remember in the youth team, I couldn't believe it. You know, five minutes before kickoff, you got like the the two fifty running at Cheltenham. And they're going to run in at two fifty eight, two minutes before running on the field to watch catch the wager race because they got a, they got a game, they got a bet on it. Jesus, sounds like Dickio. <laughs> just in the lights, a a b. Well, I just think if, if maybe if we didn't enjoy our tipple quite as much as we have in our in our life, we could have been elite athletes. I don't know that. Maybe we. Maybe you guys would still be on Sportsnet. Maybe. <laughs> Charles, your, your career was over before the alcohol even kicked in before i even tasted alcohol yeah my spirit was broken yeah <laughs> unless you were drinking at 10 which might be the case if you're well i'm english after all getting kicked off at your own father's team i remember the the first time that i was in a pub for soccer which was you know in the morning and uh i guess maybe it was a 10 o'clock kickoff i feel like it was a tournament first time i was legally in a pub to watch a match it must have been a tournament and they had moved the license up i think maybe to 11 if it wasn't normally 11 whenever it was the match had started but everyone was just waiting on pins and needles it must have been earlier for nine o'clock let's say and pins and needles waiting for nine o'clock as soon as nine o'clock came 300 orders for pints went in you know, everyone was, everyone was getting to like nine in the morning. Like, can I get a, a Guinness and a coffee? And it took me two hours to, to finish the Guinness. Yeah. I've been to a number of rugby games here in Canada, pubs, watching internationals at seven, eight in the morning and the pub opens and the breakfast is being served with Guinness. I'm not sure whether they extended the license or not, but they did it anyway. It's brilliant. They extended the license when Canada was in the gold medal game, the last Olympics, or it must have been 2014, I think it was, 2014. So I went to a bar across from DSQ where we used to do the Fox Soccer News Show and walked in there. At, there was a massive lineup, 6.45 in the morning. As soon as 7.30 came, everybody was drinking. 7.30 yeah. in the morning on a Saturday, Sunday it might have been, to watch the Olympic gold medal game, hockey game. A, a yeah. lot of bad breath going on at 7 in the morning. <sighs> Yeah. Speak for yourself, Wonger. Jesus. Okay, I'm speaking for myself, Craig. <laughs> hey, speaking of hockey, remember that? Speaking of over there, was it 2002 Salt Lake City? Yes. Yeah. So, the pub up the the golf pub up the street, great spot. Um, they uh, had a big screen and they were showing Olympics and blah blah blah. So I was like, oh, awesome. So I'm going up there. I'm going to watch. Canada playing the gold medal game and watch on the big screen. And so the game starts and I'm the place is packed, but nobody's watching except for me. And I'm literally like sitting there watching this big screen and it starts going, it starts going up. I'm like, Hey, I'm like yelling at the bartender. Like, Hey, hey like, what's going on? He's like, nobody's fucking watching that night. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? So I had to go home to watch it. Because nobody, where were, you? where were you? This is a West Ham, in well, Ipswich, back on. This was in Ipswich, yeah. Really, Jesus. Yeah. I mean, he was right. Apart from you, no one was watching it, right? No, nobody was watching. Nobody cared less. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah. so is is London the the toughest city? Do you think? 
to play in. I mean, it's different to being in a, in a local place like these talks about Sunderland, you know, where everyone knows you and, and, you know, you can't really escape the fans in London. You can escape the fans, but yeah. there's far more temptations as Rio Ferdinand talks about, right? Do you think it's the toughest city to play for a young guy? Well, yeah. And he grew up there too. Right. So he has the, mates are there and- the mates and everything else. Right. It's different. If somebody's moving from another country there, you don't have that coming at you and all the temptations that all your mates, your former mates or whatever, the ones you grew up with at school, they got connections with all this stuff. So yeah, no, it was a, it was a good move. It was, it was a good move by him to understand that, yeah, you know what, not to say that Leeds can't be a fun place. They got a big university there and, What's your point? What's your yeah. point? Get some get some courses done there. What are you talking about? Right. Yeah. Exactly. I'm sure, he's going to take some courses. May all <laughs> your courses be Inter. <laughs> yes, Inter, Inter Milan. Scudetto <laughs> winner. Right. Well, well done there, Wong. Yes. Well, I, I I'll put it together there. B. Let me ask you. See, I, I think a lot of guys do it the right way, right? So, like Craig and Deech, right? They had really really good careers, but they also really enjoyed themselves. They they. I wouldn't say they lived off a celebrity. I'm not saying that, but you, you, you enjoy being a professional footballer. Put it that way, right? Both of you. Do you yeah. think some guys who, who refuse that side of things and just focus 100% on their career, but never become world-class, the elite of the elite of the elite, do you think they have regrets one day thinking, shit, I should have really enjoyed that more when I had it? Well, you know, yeah, you'd think so, but maybe they just don't have, they don't have any reference anymore to go by, right? I don't think that's all they've had there. I was texting with Frank Yell today about some of the stuff at Ipswich and just memories of just crazy guys and just really, really humorous, funny group of players at the time when he was, uh, he was in the first team before I was sort of in the mid eighties, just incredible stuff. So do you, I don't think you get that now. No. I no, think if you're one not. of those, if you're one of those average guys that is aware at the time that look, I can't partake in this. I don't think you'll have regrets because I think that you're motivated to not fall out of, to not lose your job, to not lose your place in the in the side. And so that's you know what de- what deters you. You never feel as though you had that opportunity. Maybe they regret that. Maybe they regret that they you know weren't able to s- still succeed at the top level and be able to enjoy the life. But sometimes that's how the cards are dealt. Yeah, I think I think sometimes too when the, you know you're thinking of two when I was younger you you're always trying to get to the next level or trying to get to the next contract or you know you're fighting through that and then if you get to a comfort zone where you know you you feel pretty good about where you are um, you know you're not going to do anything certainly when I went out I would never go out on a Thursday or Friday night before games except for once and when that was when I was 35 and it was my like my last year. It was Shaka was playing. We're playing it up in park and a maid had a birthday and I'm like, yeah, I'm 35. And like, I've never done this before. I'm on the bench tomorrow. Fuck. At halftime, Shaq is giving it the hamstring one. I was like, Oh, you got to be kidding me. He's on the treatment bench. And I, I actually go over to him and, he's getting a rub by the the physio trying to figure out how bad it is. And I kneel down into his ear and I'm like, Shaka, I went out last night. I am so fucking hungover. I can't, there's no way I can play. He goes, sorry, big man, my hammy's gone. <laughs> and, you, and you played okay. No, I didn't. 
we were one nil down. Thankfully we, we ended up losing two nil and it was uh, Don Hutchison who ended up coming to West Ham and playing. He had a free kick and I lined up the wall and he was going to take it early, but I read it. Like it was like, I oh, don't no, no, not a problem. I, I saw it do it came around the wall, bounced in front of me. And I don't know, I saw all sorts of balls and I palmed it straight back, right in on the top of the net. It's much like his, it's much like his uh, 50th birthday. There's two stories. He's <laughs> yeah. Brought, right. Yeah. And, he, he, and he we were, over we and were goes, there for his 50th. Shot. I was there. Yeah. I mean, and I, I left, I left, earlier than than he went to bed so I, I was not great myself but i was way better than craig was and uh he, he made it to the halftime show didn't you i made it to half which is no. amazing was a credit to you no i did the opening and left i watched you guys at halftime oh <laughs> dude uh, craig you were on about an hour and a half sleep if you did the early show because i left at four from your house yeah well let's get it right i was on mushrooms and, and <laughs> <laughs> And I was still on, like, I was like, you know, I was, you know, I was pretty buzzed out. I was, whew, that was a really fun night. It was a really good great party. Night. It was so much fun. But I remember that I, I, I was behaving myself somewhat, but I still wasn't feeling great. And our producer, Dan Fernandez, was pretty similar to you. He was in a bad way as well, he but was he wasn't a- on air. <laughs> so he had to stick it out for the entire show. I know. I tell you what, what a legend though. He's like, okay, well just do the opening and, just go home and you were green you were green so i remember going home still high on mushrooms i'm laying it down on the couch and i'm watching you guys where i just was how fucking freaky is that on mushrooms? And you're thinking to yourself was i just there precisely exactly i'm like i couldn't have been there i never left the bed that must have been a dream yeah. what a weird <laughs> dream why am i dreaming about men and i got a suit on Hell. Yeah. And I've sold myself. Oh, you got fully dressed up for the show too, right? You were ready to go. You were on and then left, and then you saw yourself half an hour later. No, no, I didn't see myself later. We didn't tell you, but I mean saw the boys saw half the boys. an hour yeah. later. Yeah, with an empty seat. Oh I think... you know, the greatest the greatest thing about it, nobody even noticed. No. <laughs> we should have put a little framed picture of you where you were sitting. We should have put that. <laughs> Then you would have drawn attention to it. Otherwise, yeah, exactly. gone. They were just like they didn't even notice. Was it Dickio? I forget now. It was Dickio, wasn't it? I think. Or was it Jimmy? No, yes. Jimmy was there. No, no, Jimmy. Fuck. He was as bad as you were. It was just you and Jimmy. Was it me and Jimmy? No, no, no. It wasn't. No, <laughs> I would have stayed. I would have been better than him if I stayed. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we, I'm sure we, we may have told this story before. Jimmy, Jimmy did a few shows with us that, that last year at Sportsnet. And Jimmy's good. He's knowledgeable. He's got charisma and that. But when he first started, he was quite green. And there'd be certain topics that he just didn't know much about. I need to admit to it. But I'd look over and be asking a question, directing it towards Jimmy. And he, I knew for a second, you know, straight away whether he knew what he was doing or not because he'd be staring straight ahead of the camera with his freaking vein bulging in his forehead if, if he had no idea what the answer was. <laughs> Otherwise, he'd look at me. And he'd answer, but I could always tell Jimmy's shitting himself right now, shitting himself. So, so Craig, you tell me the answer instead. It was yeah, so Craig, you could what, read him like a book. What do you think about that Moldovan midfield? I mean, you guys really set Jimmy up to fail. You always it's, had him on the Euro qualifiers, these the shit nations that no one ever got. It's this right. If you put your whole thing, so the everyone camera. knows. So everyone knows this is Jimmy Brennan. No one said his last name. Jimmy Brennan, this is what we're talking about. Yeah, right that's now. right. Yes. We should remember actually recording a podcast. Our references need. When, when we talk about mushrooms, Craig, they weren't mushrooms. 
They were chocolate mushrooms. That's Tasted right. Tasted good too. Oh my God. That's you well, let's put it this way. I had about eight of them and I said to the doctor who had them, I said, uh, so how many do you normally have? And he says, Oh, three or four. He's been, he's, he's feeding to me like, like, and like Tums. It's unbelievable. Always. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, can I get in on this? Uh, be, being, being, uh, drunker than you thought. Um, one, I told the story, I think, about a couple of early morning Serie A games that we had. I was the Twitter guy in score. But I was in my early 20s, and I was you know, enjoying King West and all the the uh, benefits that came with you know being in the club district and, uh, and working in the club district. And it was Halloween. My girlfriend at the time and I, we went to the government, uh, which was the, the big rave warehouse club, and it was, it was Halloween. I dressed up as Russell Brand. We left at, I think, 5.15, uh, took her back to the apartment, uh, took the wig off and the costume off, including the eye makeup, uh, got into clothes to do the Serie show and showed up to do the espresso fixture for 6 a.m. Chesena in Napoli or whatever it was. boy, What a pro. And were you good or were you bad? Oh, I'm sure I was brutal. I de- my voice was great, though. How many girlfriends have you had since then? <laughs> dirty. That's a dirty question, Craig. Yeah, I don't know how to answer that question, actually. Or did you have one for a long, long time? Because you got a lot of ex-girlfriend stories. Oh, <laughs> this is the same ex-girlfriend that Benfica tried to uh, gangbang. This is that same girlfriend. Oh. If you, right. know that, if you know that story. Yeah. yeah. It didn't happen, by the way. She, yeah, she, turned, she turned down David Luiz and she came home with me instead. What yeah, a and I'm sure she's not regretting that for a second these days, eh? <laughs> Christ. No kidding, eh? She just had no way of getting home. She's like, you know, I'm in another country. <laughs> no, no, this is, it a, was, this is in Toronto. It was Toronto. It was across this is when the they were uh, on tour here. Oh, well, she probably slipped out later. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was pretty amazing, actually, because it was, a, it was the end of season tour. This is the cash grab that they were on. So it was May. Benfica had just won the Portuguese League, and they were over here uh, playing Panathinaikos at BMO. And uh, David Luiz got in a fight in like the 41st minute on the pitch. Uh, this was Sunday. So we'd gone out clubbing on the Friday and this is, and I hate it now. I hate David Luiz forever um, because he tried to take my girlfriend home and he got in a fight on the field and they called the half early. They all went to the change room after the 41st minute. What a tosser. <laughs> hey, I've got a bit of a story like this. I was dating a girl named Jody and we go to this place called uh, it's a, it's a jazz bar. And you know who's there is this comedian who just starts, and he's the guy who played, he was in Caddyshack 2, little Jewish comedian. Bill Murray. No. Kevin Hart. Caddyshack 2. Kevin Hart. <laughs> and he's literally like a 60-year-old man. And he looks at me and I introduced, like my friend introduced ourselves and we were talking and he starts hitting on my girlfriend and she goes, I think this 60-year-old, I'm 30 years old. She, and he, he basically says, I want to bring your girlfriend home, and I think she should come home with me. And she looks at me and goes, is this guy serious? He's a 65, 60-year-old man. It wasn't Woody Harrelson, was it? No, I'm going to look him up. I'm going to look him up. It was so awkward. Gilbert she Gottfried. felt sorry for him. He's got nothing to lose, Dan, at that stage, does he? It's well, you're right. What if, what, you're if right she said, what if you said, Yeah, go ahead? She says, Okay, he's like, Do your best, right? 
Hey, you're, you're six years away from that now. Oh, stop it. You're mean. You're a Longer, mean you look, person. You look great. No one would ever know your age. Age is just a number. He's got something that's like a ferret. Jackie kind of- Mason. Do you remember Jackie Mason? Oh, yeah. Jackie Mason hit on my girlfriend. Oh, my that God. That was so weird. Are you sure he was an 85? He was 85. It was so weird. Yeah, he was so, older than that. So- are you, is that a compliment? Is it a com- or is it an insult? Like, is he thinking, "My God, if if she's with him, I've got a chance." It's an insult to me, and it's a uh, it's a great thing for her that she has an old celebrity loving her. Yeah, but those but men to me, it's like I don't know. Isn't it weird? Pull it. Say that would, again, Craig. Because he's a celebrity, he can still pull it off. Yeah. Those men just reek of arrogance the way I reek of, of uh, Christian Dior cologne. Oh, yeah, it drips geez. off them. I couldn't even think so of jealous. I couldn't even think of what cologne. I, it's been over a year since I've worn cologne. I guess I don't, even know know what, I, I don't think it's a celebrity. I think when you hit a certain age, probably 60, who cares? You can ask any girl anything, really. Right? You can hit at least, you know, with, with, with respect, you can hit on any, any girl knowing thought she's probably going to say no. And hey, I'm 60, so I shouldn't be offended by that. But you never know. Okay, but that's her. How should I feel if my friend, and I didn't give a shit, but that my friend introduced us, it was his bar, and this Jackie Mason little dude, you're going to look him up and you're going to go, oh, he looks like a, uh, a weevil. No, I think it's just expected, and it's certainly of that generation. Like Victor Newman from Young and the Restless, he's hitting on everyone. I've heard of him. At, at- Rodney Dangerfield was hitting on everyone, right? <laughs> Are you talking Jackie have, Gleason or Jackie Mason? If you're Jackie that, Mason. If you're that age and you're throwing that out there, you got like one in a million. If you're famous and doing it, you probably got one in ten. <laughs> probably, yeah. Well, those guys aren't suffering. Are you kidding? They're a phone call away in every city. Don't worry about that. One in ten. Craig, that's a number. We should put some – you know that there's single game uh, – Gambling going to be coming up. One in ten. Craig's putting the number down for famous people to hook up with younger women. So it never goes the other way around, right? It's always the uh, the, uh, the the old creepy old man. You never get like you know, I'm trying to think of Angela Lansbury hitting on some young guy. I wouldn't think. <laughs> yeah, and getting it well. <laughs> and 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 if she did, would you say yes? Angela well, that's Lansbury. what we have to talk about. Fame dog. You know, like, where would you go? Roseanne Barr, when she was in her prime? Oprah? Would you hit Oprah? Not Roseanne, though. Not Roseanne. No way. No, but Oprah's still a good-looking woman. Oprah would, absolutely. 15 years older than us. If I was available. Yeah. Oprah is good-looking with something like 16 to $20 million of lighting. Yes, that is true. I'm not, I'm not, she was running that marathon. She didn't look, I mean, that, you know, unless, but in reality, that's. So if, if, if Oprah hit a new and like in her studio under the studio lighting, you might say yes. Oh yeah. And all that, uh, what kind of <laughs> spanks? Craig's, yeah. Yeah. With the lighting. It's all spanked yeah. up. <laughs> hey, don't turn the lights off. Just don't. I don't know how this conversation started. I thought for sure Wonger was going to bring up Dolly Parton and ask us, you've all thought about Dolly. You Absolutely. Who vaccine hasn't? Dolly. You've all thought about vaccine. Dude, that, was Dolly. A, that was a 13-year-old thing that I had going on. Yeah. Dolly so Parton. She was 50 when you were 13. What a way to make a living. Jolene. Jolene. Oh, Jolene. She's fantastic. Jolene. She's still fantastic. 
She is. She's an incredible person. She remixed Jolene with Vaccine when she went and got her shot that she funded, she paid for. Hey, have you heard the Miley Cyrus, Jolene? I've not. Oh, it's really good. It is good. Wow. She's really very good. Miley Cyrus. Hey, is this the music that you teased in the first block that we were going to talk about? It's a great segue, isn't it? We got six minutes left on this. By the way, just just for the record, in case Miley Cyrus is listening, when she's 60, she can hit on me. Just saying. It's quite all right. You'll be... How old is is Miley? 30 30 30 years old? She doesn't look good now. Miley Cyrus? (laughs) Stop. I don't know. I keep thinking about like, her dad just keeps coming. Out. I, just, I know that's weird, isn't it? All right. To the musical theme. So you two and uh, Michael Garrix, who's uh, this Dutch DJ, are going to be um, Martin performing... Garrix, you old man. What's that? It's Martin Garrix. Is it Martin, is it? Yeah, it's not Michael I wrote Garrix. Michael down. I don't know these things. I don't know your, your EDM nonsense, do I? You know, like real instruments. All right, Martin Garrix. <laughs> Jesus, I feel old now. Um, anyway, they're going to be uh, uh, writing and performing the official anthem for Euro this year, which doesn't really excite me. You two doesn't excite me that much. No. Yeah, you, but you, you're that guy who's like, I want to hear Wham. Why can't Wham do the anthem? It's at Wembley. Well, it's because Michael, he, he's dead. George Michael. That's why. When did he die? Is he no longer with us, actually? I thought he was just in jail. George Michael's dead, unfortunately. Oh, wow. Should, he was a legend. Absolute legend, yeah. yeah. Legend. Never saw so, him live. Do you guys ever see him live? I never saw him live. I wish no. I did. No, me neither. Me neither. But yeah, I was a bit disappointed. I mean, not that I really care about. The, generally, the unofficial anthems are better anyway at these tournaments. You think about, you know, going back to my, my youth and uh, the world of motion with New Order, right? In 1990, stands out as being superb. There was uh, three lines on their shirt, Anton Deck. Brilliant, brilliant song. Um, and I was going back to some of the official songs over the years at World Cups and just to see how your soccer knowledge is. Do you remember who the um, official song in the 94 World Cup was in the States? I definitely know 98. I do not remember 94. Craig? I think it was... Um, Dolly Parton. Canada came so close again. By Shania Twain and Celine Dion. I think I think uh, Brian Adams is going to do a song if we uh, made it. You, are you serious? <clears throat> yeah, no, I'm serious. He was the top Very, of the world. He was a superstar. I'd rather him than Bieber. No, no, he said in '94 if they had made it. Oh, had they made it? Oh, sorry. Okay, sorry. Bieber wasn't even born. Not today. No, no. I think I was saying in 2026. So in it, it really. Okay, I didn't know that. But Daryl Hall in uh, Sounds of Blackness, Gloryland was the song. No idea. No, me neither. He's he's good. No, he's great, but did anyone ever hear this song? No. I'm trying to find it here. We'll get the rights to the song and we'll be able to play it. The only one I actually do remember, but carry on. Maybe I'll do one. Carry on way. B, you know 98? Who was it? Yeah, it was Ricky Martin. Yeah, that's right. Copa La Divida or something, right? Uh, it wasn't Living La Vida Loca. That was his own hit. That was... <laughs> yes, that was his own hit. All right. Yes, you're uh, right. Oh, yes. Copa de la Vida. Yeah, what a song. What a great song. What the hell? You made that up, didn't you, Charles? No, Buena Canción. It was great. <laughs> Here, here's the here's Glory Land. Hang on. Oh, 
Wow. The official song of USA 94. Well, you know why it wasn't a hit? There was no oats. <laughs> That's, oats was a talent, right? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Daryl Hall said, fuck you, Oats. Yeah, I'm doing the 94 World Cup. And Honestly. What we get. Squirt. All the amazing American musicians, America's moment yeah, in, and in that's the world's what they got. game. That's oh. what they got. Brutal. Shakira's was pretty good. And then there was the Canadian who had that song for nope. 2010 as well. Canon. Canon, yeah. Nato, didn't she? Nelly Furtado have your old Portuguese one? She, yeah, yeah, she did. I, yeah, think, I think you're right. You're right. That wasn't a bad song. No, that wasn't a bad song. There's been some a fantastic Copa America songs. Hey, Shakira did Waka Waka. Shakira can do anything she wants. She absolutely can. Anywhere, anytime. Even if it means Miley Cyrus doesn't show up. Are they, is she still married to... Uh... Gerard Piquet. Yeah. Uh, yeah, she is. That's right. Yeah, yeah I'm playing, uh, I'm playing uh, Ricky Martin's Copa La oh, Divida for you. Hang on. You know, he's 10 years younger than her on the day. Same birthday. No, didn't know that. Yeah. Ten, is it wow. really? I didn't know that. On the day. That's Pitbull. That's not bloody Ricky Martin. What the hell is going on here? Charmed, we're going to segment three when you want to look up. Yeah, because yeah. you're, you're, run, you're running out of time here, Doug Ford, right. as you try to figure out your Blackberry. <laughs> Less than a minute left. Less segment three will be, uh, is, that, is that Funny Picks by chance there, Wonga? Yeah, that's Funny Picks. We're going with four again for these two cats. Have we okay. said anything on the show yet? I feel like we've said nothing. It doesn't matter. Sometimes we're just good. <laughs> we've been good this last, this second episode. Hey, listen, we've got to talk about Shakira and Dolly Parton and the fact that great Craig would say yes to <laughs> Oprah. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Wait so, for Funny Picks. Susan Arandon to. Oh, listen a minute. Go. Okay, very quickly. Man City, Chelsea. No, quick. go to the next, next segment. What's the next segment? segment? We're Wait, coming in again. Three, man. We don't have any time. Oh, that segment. I see what you're saying. Oh. Uh, well, fuck you, internet, very much. Thanks a lot. Try and play some musical entertainment for the masses, and there you are, ruining my plans for a nice evening of podcasting. Go to hell, internet. Time to move on, I suppose. The internet has been ruining my appearances on the show forever. I sound like a crackhead. <laughs> Last week you were much better, actually, but it's it's begin it's still not bad this week, but you are freezing at times and then burp. it does. Yeah, there, seem were awkward. Few, there were I can't a few speak guys as freely as I want to with you guys. It's true, though, like Doug Summonite, Alan Scholes, there were a few guys who, who mentioned your crack addiction. And when you're right, yeah, they were when the screen freezes, you look like a crack addict. Yeah, it's always like when you're like, well, screwed up. And you know, here's the thing if there's anyone going to be a crack addict on this show, it's not going to be Brendan, it would be the one of the three of us, maybe Dickio. I would, I could see Dickio. Um, oh. Becoming a he, would, he would engage in stuff like we didn't know Dickio during his. DJ days. That would be something to know. But I can see Deech though, you know, the, the 458 Deech, just a switch being hit and, and never coming back from it. Right? You know, he can snap the anger is such that the fervent hate that lies beneath the surface is such that I could see the switch being hit and us losing Deech. Not Dude. Brendan. Craig, yeah, it's possible, but I, I, I don't think really. But Deech, yeah, I could see that. Well, we saw what Craig eats for dinner last week. That was a highlight of the show. <laughs> yeah. Eating hey, are your cupboards full now? Pan. 
What? No. They're still empty. You didn't see probably, did you? No. He was he was playing Call of Duty when you showed us your dinner I tonight. Cover, I want to cover up the actual company. But I got a really good salad. The chop. Let's see. I can't. What? Yeah. Yeah. Well, they don't sponsor us yet. We so that's my big raw. Bio raw. Bio raw. Bio raw. Okay. Oh, good right. salad. It's probably uh, cheaper to buy shredded gold. I, you know what? The price of, of pre-made salads is ridiculous. It's extortionate, isn't it? Yeah. But what is happening to this podcast? We're talking about <laughs> Dolly Parton and the price of pre-made salads. My God. Okay. Let me, let, let's go back. No, to no. The- while we're here, while we're talking about Dolly Parton, your 14-year-old crush. 14? Who 14 I- years old. Or 13 or 14? Oh, it was, it was Madonna for me. Oh. Had a picture and, in, a, in my bedroom. And what was, the, what was the turning point on the, like, why Madonna, what video, or what picture? It was from Like a Virgin, the album. The album cover. I remember going off to London with my mates shopping one, one Saturday, and my, my folks gave me some money to spend on, on something. I think I was supposed to buy Christmas presents for them or something, or for the family. I forget now. But I spent it all on Like a Virgin, the, 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 the record. <laughs> And I came home and they're saying, so did you get your, your, your presents for your sister and your grandparents? No. <laughs> what do you get? I got this. It's uh, Madonna strewn across her bed in a, in a lace and a, like a virgin cover. I got in trouble for it. It was sensational. That's so fitting. Oh, That's amazing. Very, Just very beautiful. charming story. B, who was your 13, 14-year-old crush pre-high school? I got to be honest, man. Honestly, by, by 13, 14, I had so many before that my very first crush was robin gibbons robin gibbons was the first celebrity crush i had i just thought Good she was crush. incredible and i had no Beautiful. idea how she could have been with mike tyson out of the class so angelic so robin gibbons then pamela anderson i loved baywatch i was a seven eight year old addicted to baywatch obviously for you know the beach and the story i love david hasselhoff that was it I don't remember become 13, 14, but I definitely remember those two. Robin Gibbons is a good call. She was beautiful. Where, where, where is she now? Is she still acting? Not doing anything? I think she's still acting. Is she? We're going to have to look up. Rob- We're going to get her on the show. Her and Jay Baruchel. <laughs> Robin the, Gibbons on Footy Prime. <laughs> you, here, here's a question. Put it on the poll. Do you think Jay Baruchel and Robin Gibbons have ever had a conversation before? Because I would venture No. No. Oh. Too easy. Too easy. Craiger, who was your 12, 13-year-old crush? Well, I had a couple. And they were well, going way back. Farrah Miss Taylor. Farrah Fawcett. Yeah. Farrah oh, yeah. Fawcett. All right. Yeah. See, I was wow. a uh, I was a Jacqueline Smith guy on the for that. Oh. I like the brunettes. I don't know who Jacqueline Smith is. Do you be? No, I have no idea. I was honestly anticipating because we know how old Wonger is. Sophia Loren. (laughs) (laughs) One of the three original Charlie's Angels. Two brunettes and one blonde. But Cheryl Ladd, who came in to replace Farrah Fawcett, was a crush for me too, Craig. Yeah, yeah, that's right. She wasn't a bad replacement. No. And who was number two? Thomas on The Fall Guy. Oh, he was sensational. He, uh, yeah, brunette, right? No, blonde. Was she no, blonde? Heather Thomas, yes. 
Okay. It was a Heather Thomas, Heather Locklear. I love the full guy, but they, I can't remember. They used to fight e not fight each other, but it was those two who were the leading blondes at oh, the time. Heather, Heather Thomas was a different level. Yeah. I thought. And quite a poster. Yes! That's so the, the Farrah Fawcett one. Had, the Farrah Fawcett poster, the famous yeah. one. Of, no, uh, no, I, had, I actually had the Heather, Heather Thomas one uh, with the, uh, in a bikini. The pink, pinkish, purple. That's right, pink. you got it. Oh, I know that one. Yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Oh, I had a, I had one more. Eighty-three um, now, by the way. My yeah, well, I've got to go. How old? Eighty-three. Sixty-three. Oh, sixty-three. I was gonna say eighty-three. <laughs> Yeah, great Sophia Loren story, by the way. Uh, well, not a particular story, but I was doing Fox Soccer News with Thomas Rongen one night, and he was trying to describe a player whose pace was incredible, and he was complimenting this player's leg workouts and how they never miss a leg day. And he didn't know kind of where he was going, and I forget who the player was. To be honest, it may have been a young Gareth Bale. And he was like, yeah, the, you know, his legs, you know, he never misses a day in the leg room. He's got legs like, uh, like, uh, like Sophia Loren. <laughs> And I looked at him and I went, are you sure? And he went, yep. I'm like, okay. Gareth Bale, legs like <laughs> Sophia Loren. Engaging with highlight pack. Connecting with his uh, the demographic watching a soccer show. <laughs> if anyone's listening to us other than our normal five, seven, eight hundred people, look up the Sophia Loren, James Ma Jane Mansfield picture where they're both at an award show and Jane Mansfield was very very curvy and so was Sophia Loren but Sophia Sophia Loren's giving her the side eye look because her breasts are hanging out of her dress at like the Golden Globes or the Academy Awards it's an iconic picture and Thomas Rongen Dan Wong and Brendan Dunlop would fully appreciate it but Thomas Rongen's actually in the photo That's yeah exactly <laughs> yeah you're doing the buddy me. ears behind Sophia Loren and Heather Thomas in the bikini uh, isn't a bad photo either. That's fantastic. Yeah. Hey, Olivia Newton-John was one of my first crushes ever when I was Ooh, much, much younger. She yeah. was great. Yeah. yeah. When I was like seven or eight, I didn't write, write, I didn't really know what these feelings were, these, these effervescent bubbling feelings. And then I, Olivia Newton-John, Greece. Apollonia uh, in uh, Purple Rain, 83, 84. Who? Remember that? No. Apollonia, she was in Prince's movie. And oh, she was she? Jumped in the water. Mm. Mm. Fantastic. Yeah. Footy picks. Footy, footy picks. picks. Yeah, maybe it's time yeah, to do feels like a, footy picks. Feels like a great time. I was trying to find a way to trade. You're talking about Olivia Newton John. What about Olivier Giroux? Let's. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's footy picks. Um, are we going to play some, some, um, some Dickie or not? Yeah, no, we'll right. pretend we are. All right, our first fellas, we've got Man City, Chelsea. Ooh, it's a dress rehearsal for the real one coming up in a couple of weeks' time. This was at the Etihad. What are you saying there, Craig? Oh, boy. First of all, does it matter? No. Well, Chelsea are still, well, they, Chelsea, they should be okay, but I mean, they're, they're fighting the fourth still, right? Yeah. yeah. It doesn't mean, yeah, man, so yeah, no, that's an interesting one. Because nobody's going to play, they're not going to play any the U team reserves, right? 
Well, I don't know. Is that what they're going to do? Well, Man City can. Chelsea will be interesting. Mm-hmm. What are they going to do? Whew, tough call. I'm going to say 1-1. One, 1-1 one. One, one served you pretty well the last few weeks. It has. Since I've been on, Craig has probably batted the best of all of us. He's been bossing it, yeah. Perfect scores, Craig Forrest. I'm going to go... One nil city, but I think it's going to be a pretty boring game. I think you're going to see not a total reserve side, but you're definitely going to see them both. They're not going to show their hands. Uh, tinker more so than not that they exactly. don't know what exactly. each other is going to do. Yeah, but even a reverse, right. a reserve team matchup with Man City and Chelsea is pretty freaking good. Oh, <laughs> Tammy, Tammy oh, Abraham. There's, there's Callum Hudson Adoy. Right? Oh, right. <laughs> and Abraham, yeah, exactly, yeah, right? These actually, are players. When you say that, if they played their third, it would be really interesting. Yeah, it would. Your third best team each. Be that would be so quality. It would be. Yeah. Um, Liverpool, Southampton. Who are the four? Oh, the your your, your line is cracking so up, man. It's, Jesus. Your your ethernet cable has been frayed. Your, your dog's chewing it. Continue without me. <laughs> that's better um yeah liverpool southampton i did that for you charms oh did you yeah i, I don't know what three, to expect. well liverpool and southampton southampton still playing well well ish at times inconsistently um uh, big verge is, is training he, he won't make it this season um he, he's desperate to make euro of course he hasn't played in the big tournament old verge sadly enough it's at Anfield. Um, it's a must win for Liverpool if they entertain any hopes whatsoever. They're rested, having missed last week, of course, with United. So I will jump in here and I will say it's going to be a 2 0 Liverpool win over Southampton. Craig? Hmm. Uh, I like that scoreline. But I'll go 3 3 0. All right. Really? I'll- there's been so many away wins. I think there's been more. They still have more away wins in the Premier League than home wins. I bet they do. I haven't checked the standings yeah. for a while. I've kind of given up on the bloody things. But um, yeah, I, I bet they have. Yeah. Remarkable. I'll go 2-1 Saints. Two contrarian. That's it. All right. Stick with you, B. Your boys, Villa, against uh, United. I did this for you, B. Thanks, buddy. You're so thoughtful. Wow. There's four games, so I might as well keep saying it's for you guys. What a loving and caring producer I am. you are. I am that. Sorry, Villa's at home, you say? Yep. Yep. 1-0 United. Not a chance. 1-0 Villa. Ooh. Thank you. Oh, I would, lo- I, I would love that. I was just trying to be a, a realist, and my realism is quite negative at the moment. No, you know what? I think with... I think Man United have got, if this is a time for them to fall, they've got four games in eight days. First game was in Rome. Mm-hmm. Really busy schedule. It's a busy week. That's tough. They're to losing. Oh, yeah. Always losing his mind. I'm kidding, eh? Which he should. And, and- so are you kidding me? How can they play four games in eight days? It's a real shame. My first trip to England, I saw five matches in eight days. 
Yeah, and you could do it so they can do it, surely. Exactly. Exactly. I was drunk the whole time. They yeah. Good time at Villa. Villa just sneak in there. Well, it's been the Villa's 10th right now, eh? 48 points. Yeah, they've been flirting with between 9th and 11th for the last yeah. month and a half. That's you okay. I mean, obviously, without Grealish, they're a different beast entirely, aren't they? That's they really are. He's a special player. I'm just worried they're going to lose. Uh, he, they could lose both him and Ollie Watkins, and they would be in shambles. Where's uh, Watkins being linked with? He's been linked with Liverpool. He's been linked with... He's got to stay where he is for another year, surely. Come on. I don't, don't know. Don't rush it, son. Don't rush it, son. I think, I mean, he could, he could be... Don't rush it. He could be a star yeah. for England at the Euros. It could be... It no, could be I don't think he will make it. He's a good, great player, but... If Kane's out, I think I think he you know he could be. I don't think he's better than Vardy to be honest. But on on form, he just he's just so intense. And I think in those those matches, those international matches, um, you you just need someone that has has a, a work ethic like his. There aren't too many other guys like that. Okay, cracky. <laughs> the old crack picture again. You're making some great comments, B, but they're being lost. <laughs> they really are. I think I'm going to um, switch my internet provider. <laughs> uh, next up, last last one for you. This is actually a really interesting one. It's uh, it's West Ham sitting in fifth place. Three I mean, points. I did that for you, Craiger. I did that for you, buddy. West Ham, Everton. Three no West Ham. Boy. It looks like, at the very least, I mean, listen, I know it's early days still, but they're still in it. Hammers in good, good, good shape for at least Europa League, eh? I mean, let's hope they make top four. I think it'd be fantastic. But I mean, Europa League for this team, this club, it's just so bad. I, I feel so bad for Moyes that they're doing this without the fans, right? What do you now, mean, for this club? What's that? We won the inter, inter- Toto. <laughs> I forgot that. Sorry. Well, you know what? We finished fifth and we got screwed because we were supposed to go straight, straight in. And Harry was so pissed off. Then he heard about the backdoor route, the Inter Toto. And it comes like you can, it basically comes first come first serve, basically any of the teams that haven't qualified. So they go, West Ham, do you want to play? Uh, no. Yeah. Why well, should we do? And then it goes down and down, right? Wow. <laughs> so Harry put us in it, which meant we were back. We had an off season of like three weeks or something. Yeah. yeah. We should have a podcast uh, just purely on memories. We of have the a podcast. <laughs> the memories of the end of Toto Cup. Yeah. Well, the first game we played it, uh, against the Finnish team. Can't remember uh, the name of them for the life of me. Helsinki. FC Helsinki. And and we we, we <laughs> I think we just squeezed out a one 0 because their season in Finland is like three days long because it's snows. <laughs> <laughs> right. So they're already mid season. So even though they weren't that great aside. They were mid-season. We were literally coming off like we were back for a week, I think, and it was like, oh, we'll be fine. Well, we were just, just. So, see, but we went on to win it. I look forward to reading about that chapter in your book. Yeah, going to uh, a few interesting places. Into the Intertoto Bucharest. That's a that's a that's a proper club. That is a proper It question. was once back in the day. Yeah. Now, is it Stau or Stia? Uh, there's a few pronunciations. I've always said Stau Bucharest. Stau is the, one of those weird ones. Yeah. Stauer, I've heard. Stauer, yeah, yeah. But is it Shrewsbury or Shrewsbury? It's definitely Shrewsbury. I would say Shrewsbury, yeah. But I think I've said Shrewsbury before on those FA Cup weekends. 
probably a couple of times each show, actually. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for the picks there, boys. Um, um, 40 picks, it's 40 picks, it's 40 picks. Wait, I don't think, I don't think B did his. He didn't. Didn't he? No. Does anyone really care? No, no, Sharms wants to get back no, to COD. Sharm wants Call of Duty for Sharms. Is <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And we have one more uh, thing to talk about before, after, uh, after B does his pick for this. Uh, West Ham Everton and West yeah. Ham's at home. Yeah. Three, two West Ham. Wow. All right, there you have it. It's for a picks. It's for a picks. It's for a picks. Oh, 40. <laughs> Jesus, that sounds awful. <laughs> hey, thank you. Um, <laughs> I want to ask you guys. Always wanted to we do. talked about this last time, about two weeks ago. Has the <laughs> approach to the Super League been different? And I'll throw you a bit of a difference. Had it been the top four teams, the top biggest money makers in the EPL, Take out Tottenham and Arsenal, who've been struggling. But it had it been Man U, Man City, um, I forget who else were the other two, Charms? Uh Liverpool, Chelsea. Chelsea and Liverpool, yeah. Okay. Would the would the push have been as could they have gotten away with it? This is what I'm like, have they approached it differently and just said, hey, top four EPL teams, top two Serie Top two Spanish, we're ready to go. Would it have been agreed to? Because... I don't think so. I don't think so, Dan, only because we've seen the reaction of the Man U fans and the Liverpool fans when they took their signs down right away. Like it's like, what what are you like, what are they doing? Tampering with and the... Chelsea with Chelsea with their first team, the first fans to, to demonstrate, weren't they? That first day. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I thought when at the time as much as everybody else is going nuts, it was it was more important for the size that were being picked and to say, no, 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 this is is not right. Like it's just it's just it's absolute it was a it was a coup on football, basically. It was, yeah. It, it, it was beyond the team specifically. It's just it was an, it's right, a coup on football and a sort on on what we're used to and what the game is and the structure. And really at the moment they did it too, and JP Morgan and all these guys, I mean, they've even you know, backtracked and apologized about this, but they're basically trying to use the pandemic and teams with really financial difficulty. But the crazy thing is all those other teams, if it was the other way around and the premier league was the Spanish league and they had this incredible TV deal that crushes the rest of Europe. Do you think they would have said when the premier league went, Hey, do you want to join a, a super league? They would have said, Get the fuck. Not a chance. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the Premier League are leaving this unbelievable situation. Of course, they're going to go, oh, you guys, six of you want to leave? Yeah. Awesome. Because we, we're spending money. And, you know, they're in difficulty. And so. Yeah. To, to answer, if Dan Wonger's question was, you know, what was the best chance for the uh, Super League to succeed? Not trying to do this in a pandemic with all of the economic uncertainty that there is in the world and lack of sympathy that there would have been for that. I think if they'd done this in another year, a normal year to, uh, to use that term, they would have had a, a much better chance, but I still think you would have got this, this reaction, maybe not as fierce, but you still would have got a, you know, almost unanimous negative reaction. Yeah. Well, no, it's interesting to me also because uh, our boy, Danny Dicchio texted us in our dark web and said, Hey, when uh, Liverpool and uh, was it Liverpool and United 
canceled. He goes, I won zero zero because he chose zero zero for the footy <laughs> picks. That's all Danny wanted to know and and tell us. So that's the kind of people we work with. Not about the <laughs> not about the political infrastructure of the league. It's I won this week because well, thought, of zero you know, zero. Under under the rules, I don't know, has anybody actually talked about this, but Man United could they be looked upon as like, well, you you couldn't handle your crowd and you this is a game going out to millions and millions of people and people have played millions of dollars for this broadcast. Now you have to turn on the Sheffield United Tottenham games. Right? Yeah, that's like, the alternative, well, right? And and not to be a dink, but I turned on I turned on Craig's DAZN about we were all doing the dark web on our like on our feed the six of us and it literally was highlights of the best goals of i forget what the best goals of and i was waiting for some form of explanation and danny started sending us all the uh social media remember and it was like people on the field i was watching sky it was it was amazing I mean, it was actually really good TV, much like the week before as well when that happened, right? But they did a great job, and they're keen, Roy Keane and Graham Souness up there um, overlooking the field, who are very strong, opinionated, you know, f- legendary footballers. They had Carragher and Neville on, on the sidelines. They had Michael Richards. The ratings were actually higher <laughs> for that than in the game. first game. Like I, <laughs> yeah. I could see that. That's how the broadcasters should be paid more money. More just, riots. More riots, eh, Craiger? Yeah, well, you know, I mean, everybody likes a fire, eh? Right? I mean, it's serious. <laughs> it's true, isn't it? I know. Like, I, I never go on, on other, other media platforms to talk about good soccer stories. Never. It's always about bad soccer stories and awful things. It's like, Christ, I'm that guy. Like, you're that guy, Craig. You are too, B. You know, we've we become that person. Oh, it's 1-800-SOCCERS-DOWN-THE-SHITTER. That's uh, who we are. <laughs> yeah, that, you know, that does I, suck. I, when I watch these Champions League games and then this the quality of play that we're watching is just it's it's unbelievable. But you'd much rather watch, you know, West Brom against Chelsea on a regular basis, as this protest affirms. Yeah, right. You know what though, guys? I mean, watching that, you know, Chelsea against uh, Real Madrid and, and PSG. City, it was great, but what made it great was the sense of occasion, and that I don't see it every week. It, it really was, and I stand by that. You know, I really enjoy those famous nights in European football that don't have to happen every every single freaking week. They happen at the end of the season, over the quarterfinals to the semifinals to the final. That's enough for me. That 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 um, you know is satisfies my my hunger and my thirst for it. I don't need more than that. I just don't. I agree. I think you're right. Bang on. But the standard, don't you think? Like, I honestly think that the the new rule there with the goalkeepers being able to play inside the box is just added to Pep's style of play of keeping yeah. it for that. Fun to watch, isn't it? Oh, man. You just, it opens it up, though. It's like there's so much more space than there ever has been. Yeah. Because yeah. they oh. create it. Because they're using the whole pitch, really, so, Craig, we talk about hockey as with the Rogers deal, and I'm not bashing anybody. I'm just saying the Rogers deal increased the amount of visibility of 
um, the how many how many hockey games were on? Is there too much soccer on now? Charms? Is that the point you're making? Not too much soccer, no, no. But I'm just saying that I I don't mind. All joking aside, I don't mind seeing West Brom against Chelsea or against Man United. Oh, I see. You know, I don't mind the the haves and the have-nots. That add, that there's a hope and the possibility that I, I like about sport. And that's what that allows it. And that's within the Premier League, obviously. I'm saying I don't, I don't need to see the best against the best every single week. It's nice. It's amazing. And I enjoy it more because I don't see it every week. A better comparison, Wonga, would be the World Cup is every four years and it's special that way. If it was every year, it wouldn't be as special. Yeah. But my, my look, we talked about the Euros being amazing because there's the top uh, 24 now. Yeah. Yep. And that's what always concerns me is when sports becomes wallpaper. And I don't ever, I hate it when sports become wallpaper. And I'm wondering what that level is because you guys were joking about the Euro, um, the Europa Cup. Remember? It's saying, oh, well, now you have to deal with the Europa Cup. So that's that level where I'm like, is the Europa Cup worth televising? And I know it is for the teams, but is it worth buying a contract for? Is it worth making sure that um, it's national? That's those questions on yeah. a broadcaster level. But the Europa League comes it's as a package with the Champions League. It's like you're, you're paying for the Champions now League. Now it does. Now it does. It doesn't it mean always. it always has to. It didn't always either. That's my point. Was it separate before? Yeah, when we were at was the it? score, it was very hard to watch Europa League games, uh, UEFA Cup at the time. Uh, TLN had the package that they put on the, that, that Sports World channel, remember? Yeah, I think they buy the package and then they can sub-license the games. Like for a while, there's one season where we showed the Europa League at, uh, from the quarterfinals onwards at the score. And I think we purchased oh. it, I'm pretty sure, from Sportsnet. Maybe. I, but I just feel as though that the – I felt as though as a Canadian viewer and, and from, you know, seeing American feeds and that, that it wasn't always on the same broadcaster. So whether they right. sublicense it or not. Yeah, I'm, I can't – I know now it's a package deal. Right. Um, but back then, I, I don't know. And I, and I guess that's my question. I, I hate when sports becomes wallpaper. And are we heading into that space where every single game – is pretended to be as important as every other. And you get to a mm. point where it's not, and you know it. But at least oh. we have the options now, right? You know, it's sure. not so much this, there's always been football played. There's, there's more now than before, but there's always been football played, but there wasn't so many networks prepared to show it. And now there is. So you can pick and choose what you Are watch. There? I, I, well, well, <laughs> ideally. <laughs> but I mean, I would rather have the, the option to watch everything or nothing then it used to be where i could watch one game on a saturday if i'm lucky one game on a sunday and then the pick of a european cup during the week right i prefer it this way it's my choice but how that reflects on on tv rights deals that's the question right do how long can they keep paying these amounts of money when people ask everyone's going to watch it People ask me, you know, quite often, how on earth did you become a Villa fan? And I have to always explain the story that, look, the first, you know, available live games was just the Saturday 10 a.m. games for us. That You only got one live game a week in 98 on Sportsnet with Jerry Dobson. 
My internet's gone again. I can tell by your face. <laughs> yes. Uh, you're making, you know, we can just about, we, we can make out what you're saying afterwards, but you freeze there for about five seconds. And then it's all. It's so guys, unfortunate. Should, it is. We'll all of my points are amazing. We'll get it fixed because, you know, we're not going to be in person anytime soon. My looks Maybe things, it's but... your, uh, your wife's blouse you got on. It's got so many colors. It's just free. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a rubber shirt. This is, a, this is definitely a shirt I would have worn to the government or any King West party, yes. No, it's not rubber. And Church Street. <laughs> you look great. You look Thank good, you. B. Yes. All right, boys, we should probably call it a night. Don't you think? You can't hear me, yeah. so yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, so as I mentioned before, we're going to have a special with Dero um, next Monday or Tuesday um, with B. He'll be there as well, and Craig and Wonga. Um, and we'll, we'll delve into the new book, which, B, you can find where? You can find it all. Oh, for <laughs> Major retailers Jesus. and all. <laughs> Again, the important times. He just freezes the most important times. Can we ask that question again, Charles? B, where can we find the book? You can find it at all major retailers and most independent bookstores in Canada. Amazon.co.uk if you're overseas. There you go. So if you want to hear Dwayne De Rosario talk about Brendan Brendan Dunlop and his life and you're freezing again. Oh my god. Hey, does he does he rip anybody? Can like any just does he rip anybody? He says Canada would have had a much better chance of qualifying if they had better goalkeeping. I knew it. You know what? That's why you always wait to the last book. <laughs> ah, I see. Letter Doozy, Dero Forest. That's it. The, the revenge That's the book. One. The it's revenge the third. Book. <laughs> I got no revenge. I got nothing. There's nothing. Nothing. But well, I, when you start writing about your podcast experience, you will. I'm sure that'll be a different experience entirely. I've got a, I've got a few stories. <laughs> all right fellas thank you very much hope you enjoyed that everyone our thanks to amsterdam brewery it's delicious the old three speed going down like amber nectar today Wonger agrees as he holds it up to the camera deanblundale.com thanks dean thanks everyone sponsorships get hold of dan wong through twitter please we implore and, you and the microphones yeti i've got the yeti rocking today How's my Yeti sound? You're great, brother. Pretty good, right? Great show, fellas. All right. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 